Good morning. It's my prayer this morning that um, things that I have to say can be edifying and uplifting, perhaps provide you with clarity and perspective, as well as allow the grace of God, more importantly, to work in your lives if needed. Today I'm going to preach something that's been heavy on my heart. It's the value of life over the last um, few weeks. On average, today, your heart will beat over 103,000 times. Your blood will travel over 168 million miles. You'll breathe over 23,400 times today. You will inhale over 438 cubic feet of air. On average, you will consume today over 3 pounds of food, 2.9 pounds. You will speak over 4,800 words. You will move more than 750 major muscles in your body. You will perspire 1.43 pints or more. You'll give off 85.3 degrees of heat. And you will generate 450 tons of energy. You will exercise more than seven million brain cells today. It's no wonder I'm so tired every day. <laughs> it was once said, people travel to the wonder and the height of the mountains, at the huge waves of the sea, to the long courses of the rivers and the vast compass of the ocean, to the circular motion of the stars, and they pass by themselves without ever wondering. You know, the author was Augustine, and he was right. Most of us don't even realize the intricate and wondrous detail that was put into our bodies. I did some re reading recently, and I found some more interesting stat stats, and I was amazed at the uniqueness and intricateness of the work that was put into our bodies and how we were developed. For example, in one square inch of your skin, you will find 20 blood vessels, 65 muscles, 78 nerves, 78 sensors for heat, 13 for cold, and 160 for pressure. One square inch of your skin. 650 sweat glands, 1,300 nerve endings, and 19,500,000 cells in one square inch of your skin. The largest organ of your body, your skin, serves as a protective shield against viruses and bacteria. It also absorbs bruising blows to protect your delicate bones and your eternal organs. And in that inch of your skin, your sweat glands serve two purposes, to cool your body and to eliminate any wastes. Then there's your brain that weighs about three pounds. This is very interesting. Over the course of 70 years, your brain will store over 100 trillion bits of information. 100 trillion bits of information. To put it in perspective, that storage capacity is the equivalence of stacking up over 500,000 sets of Encyclopedia Botanicals. Some of us probably don't even know what those are. We had them growing up. <laughs> That's 442 miles of encyclopedias. 
your brain does all of this only using the energy of less than a 100 watt light bulb. Your brain is serviced by about 45 miles of nerves that, that send impulses at an average rate of 385 miles per hour through your body. Your nervous system is so sensitive that you're able to feel on your fingertips and your face up to 400 thousandths of an inch. And that's roughly the weight of a bee's, a bumblebee's wing falling on your cheek. Then there's your ears. You know, a piano has 88 keys. Said that your ears have the equivalent of 1,500 finely tuned keys. They are so finely tuned that if you concentrate well enough, you can hear your blood running through your vessels. Your eyes are capable of seeing a lit candle flame on a clear dark night 30 miles away and distinguishing between more than 300,000 different color variations. Your nose can smell a drop of perfume and cologne diffused in a three-room apartment. In Psalms 139, verse 14, David wrote, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Now, I'm sure David didn't realize all of these stats at the time that he penned this psalm, right, that I just mentioned to you. But I can't imagine that David could have been out watching over the sheep and looked down at his hands and realized the intricate work that was put in to forming him. There was something about his body that caused him not only to remark about how fearfully and wonderfully it was crafted, but also to say this in verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You see, David was so impressed with God's gift of being woven together that he relates it in an imaginary sense to a craftsman that skillfully weaves a beautiful tapestry. You know what David's basically saying here? He's saying, I didn't just happen. I'm not an accident. I have value. I have worth. Now David just didn't arrive at this conclusion on his own. David arrived at this conclusion because he was first focused in God. Let's look at Psalm 139. We'll look at the first six verses. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. O oh Lord, you hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. See, now remember, David arrived 
at this conclusion that he was, a value, he was valued because he recognized that he was created by God. It's very important. And it was through God that he had worth and value. And without God, his life had no worth or no value. And Genesis 1, verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. See, your value begins with the understanding and knowledge of knowing that you were created masterfully and beautifully by our creator, God. Indulge me for a minute. I have a $20 bill. I got this yesterday. By a show of hands, if I was just going to give this to you, who would accept it? Come on. It's 20 bucks. All right. Keep your hands up. Just tore this $20 bill. By a show of hands, who would still take it? By a show of hands, who would still take it? By a show of hands, who would still take that $20 bill? <laughs> well, that's too bad. I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> but my point is, this illustration, point of this illustration is, why does this $20 bill have worth? Is it the paper that's worth 20 bucks? Is it the ink worth 20 bucks? No. It's, it's worth $20 because our government which created it tells us that it's worth $20. And I've been told that, not going to do this, but I've been told that if I invested in a really good computer and a very efficient printer, I can almost duplicate this $20 bill. And let's say I found the exact paper and the exact holograms and the exact ink that the government used, and I printed off a bunch of these $20 bills, and I took them to all these local businesses, and I tried to use them. What would happen? I'd get hauled off to jail. That's what would happen. Why would I get hauled off to jail? Other than it's illegal. Because I tried to pass the fake money off as if it had value because I created it. I could use the same ink, the same paper, the same printer, the same computer as the US government, but it has no value because I created it. Now here's where the application sets in. If you believe or have ever thought that God didn't create you and me, or if you believe that God did not create us as a human race, then there would be a huge problem. Let me tell you, because if God didn't create you or me, then we have no value more than the small insect outside or the dirtiest of filthiest rats in the sewer. We will not be able to distinguish our value above anything else in this world we didn't believe or don't believe that God masterfully and wonderfully created us and places value upon us. 
The truth is, no matter if you feel whole, no matter if you feel torn, crumpled, or stepped on, at the bare minimum, God has extreme value for you. At the bare minimum. Because he created you. In America today, sadly, our society has progressively removed God from our laws and our teachings. And we are continuously challenged by humanistic standards and evolutionary teachings. And as a result, just a small example, it is illegal for us, you or I, to kill a baby eagle or damage its egg. But it is illegal for us to have an abortion. It is legal for us to have an abortion. Of course, this is disturbing to say the least, because despite the circumstances, despite any of the circumstances, from the moment of conception, God's work begins, and he places value on that life. In Psalm 139, 13, for you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I'm going to read you a poem now. They don't know I can hear them as they argue once again. My mom and dad are yelling, saying, what if it's a sin? I hear my father pacing as he walks across the room. But I am safe and cozy here inside my mother's womb. In four more months, I'm going to see the look upon their face. But now I'm still growing as I look around this place. I have all my fingers and I see all my toes. I think that I am perfect as my little body grows. They don't know I'm a little girl. I hope they are surprised. I can't wait to see the happy look that's in their eyes. I know that I have sisters and I know I have a brother. I wonder what they meant when they said, we just can't afford another. I hear my daddy saying, the appointment is tomorrow. Then he walked out, and I'm feeling now is my mommy's sorrow. It's late as I can feel my mommy crawling into bed. I wonder why she's crying. I feel her pat my head. Oh, well, it's time to go to sleep. She's laying on her back. I feel so comfortable tonight, I don't think I'll attack. Sometimes when she's on her back, it doesn't feel quite right. And sometimes all that I can do is toss and turn all night. But I am comfortable tonight so I can get some sleep. And as I slowly close my eyes, I hear my mother weep. Then suddenly I hear my dad say, wake up, sleepyhead. We're going to the doctor's office, so get out of bed. It is early morning and I slept all through the night. But now I feel my mother tensing, something isn't right. I hear my daddy saying, time to get that baby out. And now I become worried as I hear my mother shout, 
I must have been mistaken and I must have counted wrong. Could it already have been nine months? It didn't seem that long. I've heard them talk cesarean. My brother came that way. If that is how I'll be born, this is my lucky day. Now I hear more voices of a doctor and a nurse. But wait a minute. I feel pain and it's getting worse. What is going on? I want to see my mom and dad. But all I feel is pain and it is really getting bad. I'm starting to get woozy. I hope this is over soon. I see the light as I am being dragged out from the womb. I'm losing strength. I can't go on. My body is so weak. And now there's nothing left to do, so I drift off to sleep. Then suddenly I'm awake. Now what's that beating sound? I don't see my mom and dad. They're nowhere to be found. The pain is gone, and I feel like I'm flying through the air, and I am in the arms of someone that must really care. I feel the tender arms I'm in, and I feel so much love. And then I realize they are the angels from above. My mind is so confused, and all my thoughts need to be sorted. But then I understand when one of them whispers, aborted. An unborn, an unborn eagle has more value than a human baby. Psalm 127, verse 3 says, Behold, children, are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Why? Why? It's because God didn't, because if God didn't create us, we have no rational foundation to distinguish ourselves from a baby eagle. And you know what? When that type of thinking takes hold, it creates a, a society that's known as utilitarianism. And utilitarianism is a belief that people are as valuable as they are useful. If people cease to be useful, then they would cease to be valuable in that type of society and thinking. Back when I was in high school, at the time, I unwillingly <clears throat> played this mind game that we were given in class. And the scenario was that there was a nuclear holocaust, and there were 10 of us that survived in a bunker. But out of the 10, there was only enough food for five of, five of us to survive. And we had to determine who was going to live and who was going to die. We were given occupations. Someone was a doctor. Someone was an attorney. Someone was a laborer. Someone was a mother in her childbearing years and her son, etc. And the point of this, this mind game was supposedly to get the students to understand their sense of value and their sense of worth and the survival that would follow shortly after. 
But the underlining concept that exercises that exercised through this was only and distinctly that a person's value was based on their usefulness. There's a problem with this type of thinking. God condemns that type of thinking. Because God has placed value on all mankind. Everyone. But why is that? I've already given you this answer. It's a hint. Because all mankind was made in his image. Once again, in Psalm, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And in Genesis 2, verse 7 declares that the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And for that reason, God values all people, especially those that the world would avoid or ignore. In Exodus 22, God makes his attitude about this abundantly clear. In Exodus 22, verses 22 through 24, says, Do not take advantage of a widow or an orphan. If you do and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused, and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. And in James chapter 1, verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. You see, to God, all human life is valuable. And that's especially true for you and I that belong to Jesus Christ. Our lives are a gift from God. And only you have your kind of abilities. And only you have your kind of talents and skills. Only you have the potential that God has built into you. Now, there are some that will say, yeah. Yeah, that, I understand the idea that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I understand that it's a biological wonder that God created me. But you know, I don't feel that I'm valuable. I don't know if in this gift exchange of life, I was given such a great gift. Think I was given the short end of the stick? I'm too old. I'm too poor. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not you fill in the blank. I don't feel I have the abilities or skills that are going to make an impactful difference in the world or in the small sector of life in which I was given. I feel shortchanged. And trust me, I can really relate to that type of feeling. I can. And the truth is, 
Some of us are old. Some of us are weak. Some of us are intellectually challenged. Some of us just aren't that attractive. But you have to remember this. Your value does not depend on your worldly strengths. Your value depends on God and what he's instilled and built in you. And we have to allow God to use us in the plan that he has created for us. I'm going to tell you this, Zechariah, uh, chapter 4, verse 6, God says that when he wants something done, he's going to get it done. Not by might nor power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And in 1 Corinthians, throughout Scripture, and especially this one, it is written, when God wanted something done, he chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lovely things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 through 28. Have you ever bought a Christmas gift for, for a, a child? It's a wonderful toy. You watch as, as the child opens it, and you're both excited. And the child opens it, and it's just sheer excitement that's on the child's face. It has all these buttons and levers and, and possible lights and everything else. It's such a masterfully built toy. So the child goes to turn it on, and nothing happens. You forgot to put the batteries in it. Problem is, you don't have any batteries in the house. So now you have this wonderfully crafted, beautiful toy that is capable of doing so much, but you just can't turn it on. And it's all because you lack the power to turn it on. And it's just as simple as putting batteries in it. But you have overlooked what was so obvious. See, the power for us as Christians, which gives us our real worth, is attained upon the simple fact of putting God's power inside our lives and allowing God to utilize us for the plan that he created us for. And there are ways to accomplish this. Spending time in prayer. Spending time studying your Bible and allowing God into your heart. Importantly, deliberately deciding to place God at the center of your life. And believing that when God is ready, he expects you to make a difference, an impactful difference in this world. You see, God isn't finished with you yet. You're still working on that 23,400 breaths today. 
He created you to be something very special. And he did, designed you with a, with a unique and special purpose in mind from the moment of conception. It's only when you lay hold of his power and patiently wait for his guidance that you realized that you will realize your full potential. In closing today, you have to remember that a lot of the heroes in scripture were flawed. And it wasn't until God was finished with the work in their lives that they were impactful. Jacob was a liar. Miriam was a bigot and a gossip. Moses stuttered. King David had an affair. The prophet Amos was an unskilled laborer. Elijah suffered from depression. Naomi was a widow. Abraham was too old. David was too young. Timothy had ulcers. Thomas was a doubter. Peter was afraid of death. And Lazarus, well, he was dead. If God could do great things with men and women like these, imagine what he can do with you. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, especially since when you became a Christian, you became God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has given you a great gift of life here on this earth. And he's given you even greater gifts in the potential that your life can have. It started with the moment you were conceived. If you need to be born again in baptism or just need the prayers of the church, I would encourage you to come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.